What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 39 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And it is one of our favorite times of the entire year. We are presenting to you the highly anticipated NFL Mega Season Preview. Uh, we've made it. We've made it. It is time for football. We got to watch some college football over the weekend. Pro football comes to us starting on Thursday nights, and oh, it's a it's a great time of year. One of the best times of year. Probably my favorite time of year, other than baseball opening day. These are the two <laughs> biggest times of the year for me. There are a lot of things to go from because I really do love. I love doing the the end of the month or the beginning of the month stuff when we go over the August players of the month or July players of the month, whatever. But having the whole season to look forward to is a different type of feeling. I'm so excited. And it has to be mega because we did a... It's the uh, only way to do it. Didn't we do a mega playoff preview? Yep. Yeah, and we we did every single matchup. I had those same type of vibes when I was doing the write-up today. <laughs> it's exciting. We're ready to jump into it and, uh, and talk about a bunch of different teams. Yeah, so similar to what we did for our MLB season preview, Pat and I went through every single division... And we wrote down the most exciting storylines. So we'll pose them as questions. We'll talk about who we think are the favorites in each division, how we think the rankings might go down. Sleepers, favorites, we've got all of it. We in, co- coincidentally put our list the same way, which is really funny. Yes. We hadn't talked about that. But let's start in the AFC East. And this one was the most obvious storyline to me. And it's very simple. This is the question I'm posing. Mm. Which young quarterback is going to prevail and i have the ages of all these quarterbacks and it's kind of stunning josh allen obviously took a huge step forward last year he's 25 years old he's now the old man in this division (laughs) because mac jones just turned 23 last week he was obviously named the starting quarterback of the pats last week to attack ovailoa 23 years old quarterback for the miami dolphins and then zach wilson is 22 years old. He turned 22 in August. And he is now, he has the weight of the quarterback of the future on his shoulders and not to be undone by his week one opponent, Sam Darnold, who they're going to face in Carolina. It's going to be fun. And so how I look at it is I would put Josh Allen in his own category uh, above all the others just because we've seen it before. We know what he is. He's honestly an MVP caliber quarterback. I think we're going to see that again this year where he's going to be right in the race. So I think that leaves you with the the three younger quarterbacks, two rookies and a second year quarterback in in Tua. When I look at it, you know where I'm going to go with this because what I talked about all last year, I think this is going to be a big year for Tua. I I really think the Dolphins are going to be right in there in the conversation and step up. This will be really important now with Tua where he can step in. He doesn't have Ryan Fitzpatrick looming over his shoulder um, to be able to come in and, and make plays. This is his team. They added Jalen Waddle, which of course is very, very exciting. Alabama teammate. I love Devonta Parker. Miles Gaskin is a very, very underrated back. I mean, the important thing is going to be, can they protect him? But if all that goes together, I'm excited to see what Tua can do in a full season. Mike Gusecki is a really, really underrated tight end yes. too. The, the funny thing is, I almost consider Tua to be a rookie. This is I think that's fair. He was unhealthy real, last year. Yeah. Real, yeah, exactly. And I think having a guy like Fitzpatrick ahead of you, it, it kind of serves a dual purpose because you know he isn't the long-term solution, but you also haven't outplayed him. 
Mm-hmm. So Tua was just in this weird limbo, and then when he got the chance, it ended up being against really tough opponents, so he lost his confidence. And there's, if there's one thing you shouldn't do as a head coach, it's put your young rookie quarterback in situations where he's just going to get crushed by the defense. And that happened to a lot of guys last year. So I think Miami has the potential to make a huge move, but this is absolutely absolutely Buffalo's division to lose. And yes. I know you agree with me. Oh, absolutely. It's Buffalo. I think Miami, if the defense can stay with it and if the O-line can protect Tua, like you said, I think they're relatively proven. And it's all going to come down to the X factors of what Mac Jones brings. Mm-hmm. Because I have been very clear. I think the, the fact that Cam Newton was released was shocking. Yes. The fact that Mac Jones was named a starter was not shocking. That Agreed. was the right move. Bill Belichick did not go out and spend more than he has in any single offseason in his entire career to put a guy in there who can't throw the ball more than 30 yards down the field. They didn't get Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith and bolster the defense like they Mm -hmm. did with Matthew Judon so Cam Newton could make 10-yard passes. They're giving the reins to Mac Jones. I absolutely love it. He automatically raises the ceiling of that team. And I think the Pats have a chance to leapfrog the Dolphins. I really do. Ooh, interesting. I'm excited to see Jacoby Myers as well this year yeah. and see see the type of impact that he can make. You know, you talk about the tight ends. I think that will be really important for New England. That was actually my second storyline if we were going to look at it. Or, you know, are the Patriots back? And are they back to, to contending at the level we're used to seeing them at? Now, I, I don't put them in a Super Bowl-type level, but I think they're looking at can they get to the postseason this year? And as you said, they spent a ton of money in free agency. I think they really did sure up a lot of different positions. I am a little nervous with Stephon Gilmore missing time about that secondary and if that's going to be able to hold up. But offensively, as you said, Mac Jones does raise the ceiling for what they can do. I'm excited to see him. I mean, I, I everyone makes a massive deal about the scheme fit between him and Belichick. And while I don't think that Mac Jones is going to be put up crazy numbers this year, I think we can see some, you know, decent production out of him. And they should be able to score some points and look a lot more competent on offense than we saw from them last year. Yeah, and it actually raises the floor, too. You, mm-hmm. you have more expectations just knowing that Mac is in there. Uh, I had a point that I was going. It just it just went out of my head. But I, I think it was also so undervalued how much the Patriots missed last year. They yes. were a shell of themselves, especially on defense. I don't think – you, you, you brought up a really good point. I don't think it's going to be on Mac to, to score 25-plus points mm-hmm. a game. I don't think that's reasonable. I also don't think the Dolphins are doing that. Really, Buffalo is one of the, the – Buffalo is one of the most explosive offenses yeah. in the National Football League. Let's get that out there. I don't think the Patriots have the world on their shoulders. I just they think they have to take a step up from last year – and that's not going to take too much. No, and I think you're right. Another thing I do put into it is that the division will be improved because I see Miami, yep. who was a you know a bubble playoff team last year. I think they're going to be right around there, if not better, this season. And I also think you are going to see improvement from the Jets. I, I we've talked about it before. We really like Robert Sala and think he's going to bring in, start to change the culture there. Zach Wilson is an incredibly exciting talent. I think you're going to see some growing pains with him, where he's going to throw some really rough interceptions. But I also think you're going to see a ton of talent out of him and a ton of potential. So I. Think think they're going to be a little better than we're used to seeing this division this division is is as you said it is 100% Buffalo's to lose but I don't want to lose sight of how bunched the other teams are of course Miami and New England are ahead of the Jets but I expect improvement out of the Jets this year oh yeah they were my most improved team out of the draft yeah we did that episode. and free agency 
Yeah, and free agency. And they lost Carl Lawson, which is obviously a huge loss. But I remembered what I was going to say earlier, and it's also that I can really appreciate that Bill Belichick isn't messing around. He knows that Cam Newton is not the long-term solution, and he knows that Mac Jones is. How would that look if Matt Nagy had the same mindset? Why do we have to mess around and put Andy Dalton in there? And as a counterpoint, you are facing the best defense in the league week one. (laughs) So talking about a rookie's (laughs) confidence, having Aaron Donald down your throat isn't going to help with that. But it's the same thing with Trey Lance. Why are they messing around? Jimmy Garoppolo is not the future. Trey Lance is. Mac Jones is the future, and Belichick has put the players around him to succeed, and I can really appreciate that. Oh, 100%, and we will definitely get to the Bears and Justin Fields in a little bit. <laughs> uh, already excited as you say that, but no, you're right. I, I applaud Belichick for, for going with the move and just going with the rookie quarterback that you think can you know score some more points than Cam Newton, who we saw is definitely at a, you know, it's just, he's declined. He's had so many injuries. This, this was the move that makes sense for them, and this is the move that gives them a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more to that situation that we'll probably never know yes. in terms of why he was released and why... Brian Hoyer is now the backup quarterback. They really don't have uh, any insurance if something does happen to Mac Jones, which would be Mm -hmm. horrible. But the craziest thing of all really is that Jones fell into Belichick's lap. That's the most absurd thing. He didn't even have to move up. And Mac Jones is now the week one starter for the New England Patriots. All because (laughs) Kyle Shanahan didn't pull the trigger at number three. True. He might regret it, Pat. He He might. might He might. We could talk about that in a little bit. Oh, yeah. All right, bring cool. us to the North. Yeah, let's go to the AFC North then. And then I pose it as a very simple question. Can anyone push the Cleveland Browns? And that's how I look at it this year. We talk about Buffalo having the AFC East to lose. I completely believe this is Cleveland's division to lose in the AFC North. Now, I think Baltimore will be good. I think Pittsburgh is in for a rough year. I, I believe the stat is they've never had an under 500 year with Mike Tomlin as the head coach. I think that is a distinct possibility this year. And Cincinnati... They're still figuring things out. The hope is just that Joe Burrow can stay healthy there and the offensive line doesn't kill him yet again. (laughs) So we'll see there. But I look at the Browns. We talked about it a ton last year. Baker Mayfield really progressed towards the end of last season. They had their big win against the Steelers in the playoffs. And what they did on defense this offseason, they added a couple pro bowlers. They added Jadavion Clowney to to the defensive line. You know, of course, it's not prime Clowney, but we'll see what he can bring in. They also added to the secondary, you know, drafting Greg Newsom in the first round, a corner out of Northwestern. They added... uh, Awansu, uh, I, I can never pronounce his name, but uh, JOK from, from Notre Dame, the linebacker as well in the second round, which was a, a great uh, great pick to get him later than he was projected to go. I'm really excited about this Browns team, and I look around the rest of the division, and I think you can look to Baltimore, but with J.K. Dobbins going down, that mm-hmm. offense is a little more inconsistent than I think people focus on. I like this for the Browns a ton. Interesting. I wasn't expecting you to be so gung-ho about them. This is it for them. This is their year to go for it. It's absolutely the window. And I truly, mm-hmm. I actually think that this is without a doubt Pittsburgh's last chance to compete because yep. Joe Burrow's only going to get better. Jackson Mayfield, this is definitely the last chance for Pittsburgh, who hasn't had a losing season since 2003, which go. is an insane stat. My question, though, was were the 2020 Browns a fluke? Mm. Because... I also have them as the division favorites. I think they're going to win, but I'm not nearly as willing as you are to crown them and say it's their division to lose. And I still I think, think Pittsburgh has a lot of talent. 
and that's totally fair. First off, it's Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Now that I have oh, it in yeah. front of Good me, call. I can pronounce it. I don't <laughs> rather say J O K. Yeah, rather than try and pronounce it without seeing it in front of me. Uh, I and I think that's fair, and I, I totally understand the you know the hesitancy to to say goodbye to Pittsburgh with it, especially you know adding Najee Harris. I think we're going to see more of a run game, which is something that Pittsburgh was pretty non-existent with last year. You know they they still do have some weapons on the outside there. Uh, Devontae Johnson is is turning into a very nice receiver. Of course, they still have Juju. I just, I saw signs of decline there so heavily towards the second half of the year. And of course they had the huge run to rip things off at the beginning of the year that worried me enough that I don't trust this Steelers team going forward. And I think Cleveland is going to capitalize on that. Yeah, I think trust is a big thing. And again, you're putting all your all your eggs in an aging quarterback's basket. Mm-hmm. And that's never a good thing to do. And, and for the Najee Harris, a lot of people are crowning him potentially the most impactful non-quarterback rookie. And yep. I think he has absurd talent. I was happy when the Steelers drafted him. I thought it was a great move. But I think the larger issue is that they put a Band-Aid on a gaping hole, and that gaping wound <laughs> is the offensive line. And maybe Najee Harris is going to be more talented than James Conner, but that doesn't make up for the fact that the offensive line was abysmal last year. That was why they fell off so quickly. Because they couldn't give Ben Roethlisberger more than five seconds to throw it downfield to all those talented wide receivers that you just talked about. So I'm not expecting Najee Harris to have the easiest year. But I think, again, those, I think those wide receivers are talented enough. Yeah, I they are. I think Ben has a little bit left. And then I don't think you can ever count Lamar Jackson out. Mm. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to have back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. That's never happened before. And he is still climbing that uphill battle in the AFC. Because now he's, he's always had Patrick Mahomes to worry about. Now he's got Josh Allen to worry about. Now he's got Baker Mayfield to worry about. I, th- I think the J.K. Dobbins injury is so, so, so brutal. I was yes, so high on Dobbins. I was hoping so to draft I. him in fantasy. <laughs> As was I. <laughs> now Gus Edwards is the RB1. And there were already problems about relying on the run game too much. They really still don't have a deep pass threat besides Hollywood Brown. All that being said, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's the Browns' division. They just they had a negative point differential last mm. year. They did things to improve that defense. But what version of Javion Clowney are we going to see? I just think there yeah. are a lot of questions, and I'm not completely willing to wipe out the talent that still exists in their division. And that's totally fair. And so where I would look to, as you said, is I I am very down on the Steelers. I think Baltimore absolutely is going to be in that conversation. The Dobbins injury hurts. I mean, let's be real with Lamar Jackson. They are 30 and 7 in games he started in the regular season. That's absurd. Yeah. 30 and 7. I mean, they, they have been phenomenal. I think just the weapons thing is a little bit of a concern. I know they drafted Bateman out of Minnesota as a wide receiver in the first round. I thought that was a great pick. He's starting the season on injured reserve. Of course, that hurts Lamar. He loses J.K. Dobbins. That hurts. They did just extend Mark Andrews, which is a great move for for that franchise. It's more of wondering how much can Lamar Jackson do without top-tier weapons, and I think Cleveland has some of those top-tier weapons on top of a really, really improved, in my mind, defense, that I think Cleveland makes a run. I do think Baltimore is a playoff team, but I just I think this is going to be Cleveland's year to win that division. Okay, that's a really good distinction. I, I totally yeah. agree with that. I think Baltimore's a a playoff team, and I think, honestly, the weapons discussion is getting a little bit overdone because mm-hmm. now 
now Jackson's done it two years in a row. Yep. <laughs> so what else? What else could we expect? Listen, he's a stud. Thirty and seven. Yeah, that's that's Patrick Mahomes' numbers. Thirty uh, and seven. Yeah, and we didn't even we haven't even mentioned by name the Browns rush game. I think it's the best in the league. I think the mm-hmm. tandem of Chubb it is. and Hunt is absolutely unstoppable, and it forces opposing defenses to completely change their game plan. And then you have the the Landrys and the OBJs. And Baker's v- really versatile. I think that's a mm-hmm. really underrated part of his game. He can get a lot done moving out of the pocket. So yeah, they are can. kind of a, a three or four headed beast. And you definitely don't see that type of versatility with Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Nope. I completely agree. I'd say Baltimore has the potential to go off and, and have a phenomenal season and be yeah. one of the leaders in the AFC and wins. They, they certainly do. I do not want to discredit Baltimore. I'm very high on them. I just, if I have to go with my prediction, I think this is for Cleveland. I also think the Steven, Kev, excuse me, the Kevin Stefanski move mm-hmm. was the single most important point of Baker Mayfield's life. I'm not even going to say career. His life. Nothing was more important to Baker Mayfield's development than Kevin Stefanski coming to town. It's amazing what happens when you get an adult in the room. Right? I was going to say stability. You took it a step further. Freddie Uh, Kitchens isn't an adult pet. (laughs) Uh, He's on the Giants coaching staff, so I better hope he is. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to rue the day that you said that. (laughs) That's so funny. But also the last thing about Jackson I'll say is that he, nobody thrives more on the criticism than Lamar Jackson. He just use it to, uses it to fuel him every single year. And com- people continue to talk. Why do people keep saying bad things about Lamar Jackson? He's just going to prove you wrong every single time he steps onto the field. He's a stud. He, he's yeah. a stud, and I expect to see nothing less from him again this year. And by the way, he's still going into his age 24 season. It's insane. <laughs> it's AFC North, incredible. again, when, when Roethlisberger retires, this is going to be another crazy young division, too. Yes, 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 definitely. So uh, I think those are two of the more exciting division races in football that we just started off with. And now we shift to the AFC South, which personally I'm going through. I think this and the NFC North are the most boring divisions. My my storyline is just which team is going to separate itself. Is it going to be Indianapolis or Tennessee? Yeah. Uh, There's a a huge drop-off from Houston. Or actually... I think the Jaguars are going to finish above the Texans just because so of their, their uncertainty. I go with the Colts. I think the Colts are going to Ooh. win the South. And I think it's mostly because I am so incredibly high on Jonathan Taylor. I think he had oh, one like of the that. best offensive years last year for a rookie. 1,000 plus yards in his rookie season. Michael Pittman Jr. is so good. It says a lot, and I know we're not talking about prime T.Y. Hilton, but Hilton's starting the year on the IR, and there don't seem to be a lot of concerns over this Indianapolis pass-catching core. As long as Carson Wentz is healthy, there's obviously a plethora of questions about Carson Wentz. It has to do with his foot, because he had this mm-hmm. re- his recent foot surgery. How he's going to do outside of Philadelphia. How he's going to do with Frank Reich. There's so many questions. Did you know that Frank Reich was his old offensive coordinator? Oh, I've never heard that mentioned before. Maybe that (laughs) storyline was a little overdone. But I I think, again, it's just that if everything goes well, I think Indianapolis has a higher ceiling than Tennessee. I think Tennessee is talented. But I think the Colts can surprise people and do more. 
Oh, this is the tricky one, and this is the one where I want to go non-committal. Uh, but you're completely right in that it's it's Tennessee and Indianapolis. I I think Jacksonville is going to have a ton of growing pains this year. I'm completely not sold on Urban Meyer as the coach. I think it's very exciting to bring in Trevor Lawrence to see what he can do. James Robinson, we know how good he was in his rookie year. They'll be a, you know a decent little team to watch, but I I don't think they're going to make too much noise. And then Houston, as you said, is just an absolute disaster in yeah, every way. Just to interrupt you quickly, they lost Travis Etienne. That yes. is a huge blow. That really yeah. sucks for them. Yeah, that happened recently, which was, like you said, just a, a really rough blow. I mean, uh, looking at Tennessee, I think that they can be a very, very good team this year. I'm very interested to see the impact of losing Arthur Smith is going to be for them uh, as offensive coordinator there because he was you know, so instrumental in everything that they did. And now, of course, he's over in, in Atlanta. I think from what we've seen from Ryan Tannehill since he came became the starter, he has been one of the better quarterbacks in the league, so I'm not willing to write them off and write him off. We know about Derrick Henry. They did lose Corey Davis. There's a little bit of give and take with Tennessee, which is what I think makes them intriguing because otherwise I think they would have been the favorite. And then Indianapolis is just that giant gaping question mark at quarterback because the rest of that roster is so strong and so well put but I am terrified at quarterback for them because while you said Carson Wentz reunited with Frank Reich, and that's really, really exciting. Carson Wentz was the worst quarterback in football last year. I expect him to be better than that, but how much better than that is he going to be? Mm -hmm. Is Carson Wentz completely broken? Can he brought back be brought back? What is his ceiling? There are so many. I think there are more questions than answers with Wentz, which is why I lean Tennessee here. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Maybe this division is actually more exciting than we thought. Cause there well, are a the top lot two of, teams. Yeah, top there are a teams. lot of storylines <laughs> to talk about. And I remember when the Julio Jones trade happened, mm-hmm. I think I had I had Kansas City and Buffalo ahead of them. And then the other dominoes started to fall. I don't know the exact timeline, but all the guys you mentioned. I put on my out list John o. Smith, Corey Davis, and most importantly, Arthur Smith. They have to refine their offensive identity. Yep. And that's not something that's easy for a team that, for the most part, is, is pretty uh, meshes well together. You never ha- you never understate mm-hmm. the talent of AJ Brown or Derrick Henry. And and honestly, Ryan Tannehill yeah. is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. I th- I'm really happy you brought up. He's that been point. great the last two years. He really He's has been. been. And, and I don't use yeah, I was saying, I don't use the word great as an exaggeration. He has been great the last two seasons. So that I that is why I lean Tennessee. But Indianapolis certainly has all the makings to be able to win this division it just it all centers around that quarterback position yeah and he might not even start week one (laughs) which is just so painful because the only thing that's going to answer these questions is seeing how he seeing how he looks do i expect Mm -hmm. him to be the 2017 mvp version of himself of course not i don't even know if i expect him to be the 2018 version of himself (laughs) but i think there's i think there's got to be a middle because the cults were this successful they made that that almost playoff run with Philip yep. Rivers started all their games last year, right? Yes. And I think Carson Wentz, if healthy and if a shadow of himself, can be better than an aging Philip Rivers at that point in his career. Everything else is that's there. That's the question. They're a quarterback the away. Question. Is mm-hmm. is Carson Wentz that quarterback that's going to get them there? Yeah, it's 
And they're in an interesting position, of course, with all that money they inherit with Wentz as well. I, I, I don't have the exact cap implications for the future ahead. I know Philly is dealing with it very brutally this season. Um, but they're going to have a decision to make in the future for what they want to do at quarterback. So th- this year is everything for Wentz. This is his one-year tryout, and we'll see how things go. That's actually a really good point. That made it much easier for Philly to give the keys to Jalen Hurts because they just don't want mm. to deal with a financial... The hamstringing, honestly. It, when when you have that much money carried around and you haven't been playing up to that standard that comes with it, it creates a lot of problems. And, and coaches yeah. don't want to give players the option to tank them if that's what it's going to take because then you're financially hamstrung for years and years. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why Philly's going to eat the, you know, the devastating 20 plus million dollar hit this year for yeah. Wentz, but otherwise they're out of it after that, which is of course very very important. Yeah. And this isn't their year anyway, to say the least. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a little. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> but all right, that'll send it into the AFC West then. And with well, we talk about, you know, division leaders in the in the last couple divisions i think we know how this or we think we know how this one is going to mostly break out with of course the team that has been to back-to-back super bowls and the kansas city chiefs in it so the question that i pose and i'll just pose it and i'm interested to hear your take on it before i even say anything how high can justin herbert go in year two? Oh, i knew you were gonna do that i know how high you are had to um, had to i think he can be a top five quarterback in the league Ooh, that's pretty high yeah I, I really do i think for him to show that much positivity or what all the positive attributes that you want to give to him with a line that was absolutely decimated what does it show about what he can do with a healthy line and with a lot yep. of protection or if it's with a different team the possibilities are endless his pure raw talent is exceptional and not a lot of guys have that. I, I think that puts him into a a Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson type sphere, truly. Well, how about you? I, as you said, I, I think he's one of the more exciting talents where we really see at quarterback this year. I'm very interested to see how things go for them now under Brandon Staley with Anthony Lynn going out. With Lynn just, you know, things just didn't work out there with the Chargers. So we'll see how the new voice goes. Yeah, that was me trying to be nice. Um, (laughs) I love the Rashawn Slater pick, you know, the offensive lineman out of of Northwestern. I think that's really exciting. I think the Chargers identified that offensive line was where they needed to upgrade. And they've completely retooled their offensive line this offseason. So... I think that's really, really key. Of course, the issue is that they play in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's that's crushing. But we talk about what were we just focusing on with Indianapolis. They have the roster. We're not sure they have the quarterback. I feel pretty certain that the Chargers have the quarterback. I think they've upgraded around him. You know, why not can they try to make a run and try to make it into the postseason as a wild card team, especially with that, remember, the one extra playoff team that went into effect last year? I don't see a reason why the Chargers can't try and challenge for that. I think the Chargers can easily be a playoff team to yeah, take it right? even a step. I, absolutely. And it's, it's funny because I had a Chiefs-specific question because mm-hmm. I think you you have to have a Chiefs-specific question as yes. the back-to-back a- AFC champions. <laughs> and then my second question was, can the Chargers stay healthy enough to protect Herbert? Because that is yep. such a good point. I'm going to repeat it because it was so good. All these teams are a quarterback away. The Chargers are just a, a few other guys away, a, a few roster changes away. They have their quarterback. They have that position down. And he exceeded 
everybody's expectation with Lynn, mm-hmm. with the O-line, with the terrible defense, all these things he was able to overcome. They also brought in Corey Lindsley. I can't remember if you brought him up. They, yep. they identified the issues, and they are doing a lot. I, I think there are going to be some growing pains. Again, the, un- the um, instability at the head coaching position is something that is going to mess with quarterbacks. Talk to Baker, Baker Mayfield. He will tell you. But I think the, the Chargers are a new-look team if this O-line is, makes some serious moves. Just want to throw out there as well, they drafted Asante Samuel Jr., who I yeah, I touted in our, our draft, our, our pre-draft uh, episode where we we're talking about guys that we think can make a difference. I went to Samuel on defense. I'm very excited for that pick for them. Chargers, Chargers are going to be a fun watch this year. I, I certainly think they're a team to, to really focus on out in the West and see if they can make some noise. Yeah, and before we move to the Chiefs, I actually think the Chargers and the Raiders in different divisions could make some noise. Mm. The the Raiders beat the Chiefs last year. They put a 40 yep. spot up on the Chiefs. And I am going to make put this on the record. Darren Waller is going to be a legit offensive player of the year candidate this year. And I think he was yeah, last I year. I love Waller. 107 receptions, almost 1,200 yards, 1,196, and nine touchdowns. Josh Jacobs is right up there. He had a 1,000-yard rush season. Derek Carr had an underrated season compared to all the other crazy quarterbacks in the league. The the Raiders have some stuff in place. I think their front office is always kind of going to kind of get in its own way, mm, but they have you some went to where I was going to go. Yeah, they have some <laughs> serious offensive talent. They they certainly do and that's the biggest thing that concerns me here is just I don't trust that front office, and I don't trust their drafting. And of course, you know we know about the importance of NFL teams building through the draft. And I just I look at the last couple drafts; it's not great. No. <laughs> it's not great. It doesn't instill a ton of confidence in it. John Gruden, I don't think, has instilled a ton of confidence in him out with the uh, out with the Raiders. I I wish I could credit it and look at it right now, but I don't have the tweet in front of me. He has as many losses over the last couple years as most of the other coaches that have been fired. Um, Of course, he's not going anywhere because he's on that 10-year contract. Uh, But I don't fully believe in the regime with the Raiders, which makes me question them and and see how much confidence I have in them. As you said, there is talent there. You know, I think Derek Carr is better than he gets credit for. I think Josh Jacobs is a really, really strong running back. Henry Ruggs is fun if he can stay mm-hmm. on the field. You know, there there is some talent there, to your point. I'm just a little concerned about the people leading the charge, and I'm not sure I can put my confidence in them because of that. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree. I just think they are certainly not a, uh, a gimme win for some teams competing down the stretch. Oh, yes, 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 yes. To that, you are completely correct. And and the other thing is, I know that Gruden is a very polarizing character. Yes. I'm not sure what else he can do. No, I I think the the contract, the fact that he was out of the league for so long and then gets the massive contract, I think that that has, I mean, of course it plays into expectations when you get paid $10 million a year, uh, but I think that he can also get unfairly judged at times. I mean, the Raiders were not in good shape when he came in. Right. So it's... It's a bit of give and take there. I think it goes up a little bit higher than him. But some plus for As the Raiders, they're going to put up a lot of points, and they get to play in a insanely cool stadium. So some some plus, give and take. 
Oh, I have it now, by the way. And it was from Hembo. I knew it was from one of Hembo, our friends. Yeah. yeah, of course. So from Hall, Paul Hembakitis, most losses in the last three seasons. Doug Marone, 36, fired. Adam Gase, 32, fired. Matt Patricia, 29, fired. John Gruden, 29. Seven years left on his contract. Yeah, that's that's a serious stat. Yep, so that's from our buddy Hembo. Uh, I'm oh, so happy I found it. And of course, Hembo with the great stats as always. Go follow yeah. him if you're not. He always has such good stats about all sports too. Yes, Stuff that you yes. would never think about. Yeah, I Definitely. think that's a really interesting point. You want? It's almost, it reminds me of the 76ers. Mm-hmm. Gruden was put in this place to kind of ride it out and, and trust the process to use Philly's terms. But where what's the ceiling for this team what's the future of this team what's Derek Carr's future they've got young uh, young receivers in in Waller and Ruggs and they've got Jacobs but there are just a lot of moving parts uh should we finish on the Chiefs maybe give them some credit where credit is Uh, due just a little bit uh it's O-line in LA and I also think it's Mm O-line in Kansas City my my storyline is was Kansas City's offensive uh, off-season work on the offensive line enough on paper i think it is they have five new guys joe thuney orlando brown lucas niang trey smith creed humphrey we all saw what tampa bay's front seven did to patrick mahomes in the super bowl and andy reed and company are doing everything in their power to erase that from everyone's mind patrick mahomes can do pretty much everything on his own but against these tough defenses who kind of know how to game plan against him now the competition's only going to get tougher they need to put some guys who can protect him on that on that front line there's going to be a lot of focus on orlando brown and see the impact that he makes for them with of course that trade that they made with the ravens uh uh, you, you completely nailed it it is all about the offensive line for this chiefs team because every other question has pretty much been answered yep there's this roster is so balanced in my opinion mm-hmm. i know that there's on the defensive side of the ball it's the the rush defense and on the offensive side of the ball it's do they have enough of a rush game but neither of those matter to me because patrick mahomes is so above average kelsey is so above average tyreek hill is so above average and then you have some of those guys on the other side of the ball too it's all about can this offensive line stay healthy i'm really curious i think it would have been an entirely different story if the offensive line had been healthy would that have been enough but Andy Reid didn't even give them the chance to recover because he just completely remade it and I don't have a problem with that they have championship aspirations year after year and they're not going to waste any time stalling they're going to go out and make trades and the Chiefs have the luxury to do that yep I, I think you're completely right and they are going to be right near the top to be back in the Super Bowl yet again yeah all right, so let's uh, let's do a quick recap of the AFC. You and I both have the Bills in the East, mm-hmm. Browns in the North. We agreed on that, though. To yep. to what degree we differed a bit. South, I had the Colts. You had the Titans, and then one of the most obvious picks, the Kansas City Chiefs in the West. I would let's say shift so. to the NFC now, and I am going to turn the NFC East one of the Don't favorite. <laughs> What do you think I said don't saying? don't use the L word as the NFC least. Don't do it. Oh, I wasn't going to do that, but I'm going to use your second favorite term, which is a dumpster fire. Hey, there it is. The <laughs> NFC East is going to be a dumpster fire. Anything less would be a crying shame, in my opinion. I think it's going to mirror what's happened in the NL East in baseball. There's a lot uh, of struggle in the East. I really couldn't focus on one storyline, so I have a few, and they focus on, I think, all the teams that are going to compete, which is all of them but the Eagles. Yeah. 
Can Fitzpatrick elevate Washington? He's obviously not the solution, but Washington was a playoff team last year, and they had really inconsistent quarterback play. If anything, Fitzpatrick is consistent. If nothing else, he's consistent. So how much is is Fitz going to elevate this team? The second question is about the Cowboys. Can they finally put their on-paper talent, can they translate that into wins? And that really really circles around Dak Prescott's health. And then the last one, and I know I'm going to give you the floor for this. Hmm. Is this the year that Daniel Jones finally takes the leap? Is this his team? You can take your pick. <laughs> I would say all all great questions. I mean, if we look at it and we take this division for face value, I would say the Cowboys are your favorite. Uh, just depending on the offensive firepower that they have, you know, projecting for a healthy Dak Prescott. I, I, I think a lot of us assume he will be healthy, you know, being it that it's almost a year removed, but I don't think we can assume he will be fully healthy because of just, you know, how brutal that injury was. We know he's had shoulder issues as well but i mean just looking at the skill positions there of course with with prescott elliott gallup cooper cd lamb it's tough to beat that it it really is i mean a a lot of this is going to come down to can that offensive line which was not healthy and not effective last year can they be better can they protect prescott ezekiel elliott's been on the decline the last couple years so it will be interesting to see if that kind of trend continues on its way And then, of course, what you focus on here with Dallas is, can that defense make it tenable for them to be able to win this division? Because I think that's what you look at. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence, we know, is a stud. They spent the high draft pick on Micah Parsons, who gives them a bunch of athleticism. But... I'm not blown away specifically by what we see on defense from them, and I think that's going to be a, you know, a a really big pain point. Yeah. Uh, What do you think on Dallas? So... To give them credit, they have put a lot of measures in place to try and erase everything yes. that happened last year. They hired Dan Quinn yes. as their new defensive coordinator. They have a whole new scheme. They remade the offensive line. But the funny thing is, you said all their their talent, all their talent group, Zeke, all their receivers, you said, can you beat that? Mm-hmm. Teams have beat that. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking about how good this talent on paper is for years and years and years, it feels like mm-hmm. at this point. And they continue to be mediocre season after season. So yeah. I don't. at this point, I don't know what's going to push them over the edge. And I thoroughly believe, I thoroughly disagree with you, I strongly think that Washington's going to win the division. Do you really? Yeah. I think their defense is top five in the league. I, again, I don't know how great Fitzpatrick can be, but I think McLaurin is a star. I think Antonio Gibson is. is a star. Chase Gibbs, uh, Ch- excuse me, Chase Young is obviously a star on the other side of the ball. I think the Cowboys just have too many question marks. I think they're going to take too long to get into their groove. I think Zeke does bounce back, but I don't think he can do it all himself. I think that's fair, and I like that you went to Washington because Washington for me is there's a lot of volatility there. Where as to you point. I think they can be really good, or really good is an exaggeration. I think they can be good enough to win the division. Win the division, yeah. Yeah, but I also think things could be really ugly there as well. Now, I think that defense is great. Like, it great. Uh, they're going to they're gonna cause pressure on the quarterback. They've got athleticism in the secondary. That's going to be very exciting, and that defense is going to keep them in games. 
I'm not as in love with the Washington offense as a lot of people are. I think Antonio Gibson is good. I also think there are a lot of games where he doesn't make much of an impact. Mm. I think Terry McLaurin's a star. I completely agree with that. I'm not sure I totally trust the options around there. And how <laughs> how long can Ryan Fitzpatrick keep up this act of coming in and being able to make a positive difference? I mean, he obviously doesn't make a positive difference everywhere he goes. You know he can sling the ball. You know he can win some games. But we also know, we use the word volatility, he can be incredibly volatile as well. It's there, again, I, I think there are enough question marks on offense for them that I don't want to go there for them fully. But man, that defense is going to be good. And man, yep. that defense is going to cause a lot of problems for teams. It's going to keep them in games. And they, they certainly have a chance to win the division. Well, as you said, all three of those teams, not named the Eagles, have a chance to win the division. I was That is exactly where I was going to go. This is one of the few divisions where I really wouldn't be surprised if Washington wins. I really wouldn't be surprised if Dallas does. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is Jones's year and he <laughs> takes the Giants to the different level. I would be surprised if the Eagles look strong yes. this year yes, but I think I. I, I obviously really want to hear your thoughts on Daniel Jones but I think this defense is underrated I think they finally have the stability that they need and if Daniel Jones can just cut down on the turnovers and have a little bit of a higher football IQ cut down on the mistakes be more composed in the pocket I think this could be a different version of the Giants than we're used to and the short of it is I do too and I think that if things go right for this team, the Giants will win the division. If mm. things go right, let's put that very clear. And when I say when things go right, that means does this offensive line hold up? Because that is the, the the Giants have upgraded in many different spots. I, I think they're exciting in many different spots. But that offensive line question mark, I actually think can be too complimentary of it at, at times. <laughs> where you know, I, I, especially you look at right tackle. The Giants spent the entire offseason talking up Matt Parrott. It's coming as a right tackle. He was a third-round pick last year. He played a little bit. And they just released their death chart. And Nate Solder, who has been very bad for the last couple years and sat out all of last year, is listed as the week one starter. I don't think that elicits a ton of confidence in what you see there. Andrew Thomas, you know, very well documented. He was the, you know, the top tackle taken last year. He struggled last year. He did improve a little bit towards the end of last season. Uh, Nick Gates has turned into a nice center. You know, the guard play is uh, okay. You know, Will Hernandez has regressed. Shane Lemieux is Shane Lemieux is a really good run blocker, not much of a pass blocker. I could do a full-on Giants breakdown. I won't do it, but... You already it, got uh, some steam. You're going through it right I, I could. Um, it's all about that offensive line because I completely am with you. I mean, the weapons are there. You have Kenny Gawada. You have Sterling Shepard. You have Darius Slayton. You have Kadarius Toney. You have Evan Ingram. You have... Kyle Rudolph, you have Saquon Barkley. Like, there are so many weapons now on this Giants team. And I think Daniel Jones has shown that he has mobility. He has arm talent. But when his decisions are rushed, he turns it over a hell right. of a lot. And I have a feeling he's going to have rushed decisions yet again this year. Excellently put. Uh, my last question for you is, do you think this is Dave Gettleman's last chance? Because yes. how far back are we putting these? Was it drafting Andrew Thomas? Was that when everyone had the collective groan? How far back does it go? And I guess what's it going to take for Gettleman to stay past this year? Yeah, so that's a great question. And so when Thomas was drafted, people were excited. I mean, he was a, a one of the best tackles in the, or not one of, he was the best tackle in the SEC. Of course, so battle tested there. Things just didn't fully translate. He was injured last year. Mm -hmm. We'll see how things play out this year. I'm in no way writing off Andrew Thomas. I think he can be very exciting. Okay. But forget, I didn't realize forget, you were that high on him. 
I am, yeah, no, no. I, I think Thomas can can easily bounce back. But Gettleman, to your point, this is it. And, and why this is it is because it's year three of Daniel Jones. They spent a ton of money this offseason. You know, we've talked about the draft picks, which his first draft was the, the Barkley draft, which people still debate whether he should have taken Barkley at two or, or one of the other quarterbacks, even though a lot of the other quarterbacks have not worked out that could have been taken there. But why it's really important is because they have, of course, they have their own first round pick next year. They also have the Bears first round pick next year after the Justin Fields trade. If things don't work out this year and they do not make the playoffs, it just makes sense to start over here and bring in a new general manager and use those two top two draft picks. And if Jones isn't good this year, maybe you're looking for a new quarterback next year and you use those two draft picks to move up and draft somebody else or you use it as as trade ammunition somewhere. But I, I don't know if it is a full-on playoff mandate for Dave Gettleman, but they need to finish over 500 for him to keep his job in my mind. I was just going to say, maybe it's just a winning record. And yes, I think they, that's they attainable. They have to win. They I, I have to it, win. I think it'd be a crime to not be excited about all of the offensive talent that you listed off. You listed off with, seven or eight high-quality names that Daniel Jones can work with. And I did not even mention the defense, which was a top unit last year yeah. as well. So it's there are the pieces are there. It is all about the offensive line and the quarterback. I hate to do this to you, but it, it's Mets going to Met, right? Right? And yeah, I feel yep. like the, the past couple seasons, it's... Uh, Giants gonna giant and I really hope that they can get out of their own way and just do it right this year and Jones can mature and Barkley can stay healthy and all of their offseason moves will pay off Uh, to give Gettleman some credit that move with the Bears letting them take their pick to draft Mm -hmm. Justin Fields I thought that was genius I remember you and I talking about it you were so psyched so they've got some stuff they at least have the insurance but again you have to go after it this year with the division as weak as it is right now Mm -hmm. You, this is the only chance. It's not like any of these teams in the NFC East are going to win a wild card. It is winning the division or a bust to get into the playoffs. It, you're you're so right. And we will see a, a very solid projection for how this Giants season is going to go in week one because they play the Denver Broncos who have Bradley mm-hmm. Chubb and Vaughn Miller coming off the edge. And, and yeah. I mean, that is going to, that is the biggest test for this Giants team is can they block elite pass rush? Can they back block any pass rushers? And we are going to find out real early if they're able to do that. Yeah, that's a good test. I think it'll put Jones in the spotlight early and at least you'll know early <laughs> to yeah. save your sanity if that's the case. No, there's no saving my sanity at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. But there are, uh, there are some eerie similarities between the NFC East and the NL East, in my opinion. I'll just leave that there. I think that's a fair connection <laughs> to draw. Fair enough. Uh, am I doing the North or are you? Oh, you're right. I got so yeah. lost in my uh, my NFC East. <laughs> your giant <right>. soliloquy. <laughs> <laughs> let's so let's go to the NFC North, and you you know you brought it up before, and I do think that is the dom. I mean, the dominating headlines are going to be we've heard it referred to as the last dance with the Green Bay Packers. Can they get over the hump? Can they get back to the Super Bowl? Can they win a Super Bowl in what will be Aaron Rodgers last year? But what I am most interested in is the Chicago Bears, and. Mm. It is, as you put with, with everything, you know, is this Matt Nagy's last chance? It, you know, what? how quickly will he pull the trigger here and change Justin Fields? What happens if Andy Dalton plays well? I think there are so many questions here about the Bears. They don't have a first-round pick next year, as, as we just mentioned. You know, what do you see playing out for the Chicago Bears here? 
Yeah, I'm I'm actually a little bit taken aback because of all the questions I have thought in my head about the Bears. Mm-hmm. What if Andy Dalton is good? <laughs> Did not even come close. To <laughs> I don't think it's coming many. I don't think it's coming many people's minds. But you know, what if he does play yeah. well? Like, how long can they actually keep Justin Fields on the bench? Wow, I'm quite literally speechless after that. So I am very. You and I are both very high on Justin Fields. I think. Yes. 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 Even with that being said, I don't think he makes the Bears an over 500 team. I don't think the Bears finish with a winning record. I absolutely, without a doubt, think that this is Matt Nagy's last year. I'm actually Mm. shocked he's even starting the season as the Bears head coach. Interesting. I think it is, at this point, knowing what the Bears are and how they took a step back on defense, and they have Allen Robinson, but that's really the only pass catcher to get excited about. Why not put Fields out there? Truly, the only thing I can think of is that you have to face, in my opinion, the best defense in the league. You have to face Aaron Donald for however many snaps, and you let Dalton take it. And that's so messed up in my head. I think that's so wrong. But to think of the alternative, watching Fields get crushed snap Mm. after snap, that also lowers his expectations in the eyes of Chicago's fan. So, I mean... It, it doesn't really sound like it can get any worse to be to be Matt Nagy. I don't know what you do, but I think in the air of transparency, Andy Dalton is not the future. Why are we wasting time? That's just what I keep coming back to. Why are we wasting time? Why not give Fields a shot, even if it's week two? I guess if it's week two, I feel differently. But mm. I just now you just keep having me go back to what if Andy Dalton is actually decent. That's all it has to be. If he's decent, I think people are going to be just their heads are going to explode because I'm expecting so him too. to go three for 35 with negative six yards. That's what Chicago <laughs> fans have him out to be right now. The And the problem for Dalton too is yes, like the, the scrutiny is going to be so high on him anyway. And then they throw him in there as the Sunday night game in LA <laughs> against the Rams. Yeah. I mean, that's just pure evil. At well, SoFi. For, for yeah. Exactly. For what's going to happen to the guy for the first time, you know, fans are going to be at SoFi and all that. It's, it's the hardest position possible. I think that we may see him come in, Justin Fields, that is, come in week four. It seems mm-hmm. to make sense. It's a home game against the Lions. I think you you might see that there. Because otherwise, it, it would feel strange to start Andy Dalton and then pull the trigger, as you said, say week two. What was yeah. the point in starting him anyway? Um, that's against the Bengals. Week three is at the Browns. It's not a game I would feel comfortable starting Justin Fields in his first game. So I think that leaves you week four. Seems to make a lot of sense. Otherwise, there is not a good time to really bring Justin Fields along. They have games in the middle of the season against the Packers, Bucks, 49ers, Steelers, and Ravens all in a row. That's ugly. And I don't know if you want to bring your prize rookie in to play his first game with that rough of a schedule. So if I have to pinpoint when Justin Fields takes the field <laughs> to, to go in that way, I say October 3rd against the Lions. So... I, I'm having a hard time because this feels wrong to me that we're talking about it. Because if you move up nine spots in the draft, which is mm-hmm. what the Bears did, and you take Justin Fields and you think he's your guy, then what are you doing with this year? Because it doesn't seem like Matt Nagy has made the point that he explicitly feels like Justin Fields isn't ready. Has he ever said that? It's it's more of we trust Andy Dalton, which I think is a little odd. And That's what I mean. As you know, I completely agree with you. 
and that I think Justin Fields should be the guy from the get-go. I don't understand why wait. That's why I think what Bill Belichick did in New England is the right move and just the smartest thing to do because just rip off the Band-Aid, go with your guy. But it it feels like Nagy is going to that just tried and true. We're going to start the veteran and see how things go. And uh, especially in a year where it could be his last. Uh, That's exactly where I was going to go. All of his expectations now are riding on an aging quarterback where you have Justin Fields, you might as well go with him. And then worst case for Nagy, if it's terrible, then it was a rookie quarterback. And you have to play all those games against all those really high-quality NFC teams in an NFC that I think is really, really top-heavy. It's just as weird to me that, yeah, I, I truly think that this is Matt Nagy's last season no matter what, and he's not going out with a bang. I just don't really see the benefits of that at this point in his career. The, the sooner Justin Fields gets onto the field, the better. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And the only other thing I had, I also thought this one was kind of boring. Will the Rodgers drama get in the way on the field? I don't mm. think it will. I don't I either. think you can expect regression from this Green Bay offense because they were so elite in every single category last year. But I think Rodgers and LaFleur, to give him credit, actually are uh, – enough of professionals to let that stay on the side it seems like everything's yep. calmed itself down now that they can just focus on the on-field things and just to give the vikings a little credit their trio Ooh. of dalvin cook adam thielen and justin jefferson is pretty legit it is that's interesting that you bring that up i don't trust the vikings i just i don't think dalvin cook hasn't you know stayed on the field a ton cousins has been Kirk Cousins and also yeah, been that's caught, why I didn't mention him. <laughs> yeah, has also been caught up in a lot of offseason just chatter. We'll, yep. we'll go with. Uh, but to your point on, on Thielen and Jefferson, they are a very very exciting duo. I just I don't believe in this Vikings team. I think we can see some regression out of them this year. I I don't know. I think this might be a tough one for them. Yeah, I see them finishing second only because the Bears. The yes, Lions as do I. Just bad. But I think yeah. I think Justin Jefferson is a crazy talent. I think Thielen's really good and. Yeah, I think Dalvin Cook is obviously not somebody that you want to match up against. But it's an interesting division in that it completely, it is, it is so, there's so much pressure to championship or bust. And that's what it is for the Packers. That's a tough expectation going into a year with Aaron Rodgers coming off of an MVP season already. Yeah, that, that's it. And to clarify, I think the Vikings are more stuck in mediocrity. I don't mean that I think they're okay. going to be one of the worst teams in football when yeah, I yeah. say I think I see regression. I just I, I see them as more of a, a middle-of-the-road type team. But obviously, that's not going to get it done in this division with the Packers. Totally agree. Totally agree. So mm-hmm. let's move to the South now where I actually think you kind of see a bit of a similar pattern. Yep. I have a, a Bucks specific question. Similar to the West, because I think this is absolutely the Bucks division to lose. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I'll yep. start with the other teams first. The storyline that I am really excited to watch is that Sean Payton named Jameis Winston mm. his QB one. How you much did mine. that how much did that year under Drew Brees learning Sean Payton's system, how much is that going to grow Winston's career and what version of him are we going to see? That's interesting that you take it on, on that way. I The way I was going to frame the question was with, with Winston taking over, how does this change the Saints' ceiling? And for oh. me, it, it, it it's so funny because it raises the Saints' ceiling and it lowers their floor. And I think that sums up Jameis Winston <laughs> in, in that 
I think that this is very exciting for Sean Payton and that he's now got a quarterback where he can open up the game plan and throw the ball down the field more because Drew Brees, a, you know, a Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. He was a shell of himself at, at the end of his career. He just, he could not get the ball down the field. He was, of course, still incredibly accurate, but they, they had to be very limited in their play calling. I think Payton's got to be super excited to be able to go to Winston and go to a guy that can, can really sling it. But as I also just said, he really slings it. And that can lead to a ton of turnovers. So I think volatility, you know, it's a word I like to go to, and it especially uh, describes Jameis Winston. There's a ton of volatility there, and I think the Saints can be pretty good with him at quarterback. I'm so happy they went with Winston over Taysom Hill, who I think would have really hamstrung them as as their quarterback. But I don't think we can also completely rule out the fact that Winston's going to turn the ball over a decent amount. Oh, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. And there, there's oh, so many, there we go. Th- there are so many different ways to go here. The first, I because I feel strongly about this, I cannot believe the quote-unquote quarterback battle in New Orleans yeah. went on for yeah. as long as it did. It's fun to watch Taysom Hill. It's fun that Sean Payton has a toy that he can play with. But in no world was Jameis Winston going to be QB2 behind Taysom Hill. That was just absurd to me. Same here. It yeah. just it does. I don't understand the infatuation with Taysom Hill. I understand they can deploy him at a bunch of different positions, and that's valuable. Get that. That's awesome. He should not be the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and so I just wanted to get that out there. But I completely agree with all the stuff you said about Winston ceiling, and I I truly don't know if there was a better place for him to go than mm-hmm. New Orleans and Sean Payton's system. The the Saints haven't been without Drew Brees since two thousand and five. Wow. So all that stuff you were talking about at the beginning about how Breeze was a shell of himself, absolutely true, but the Saints were still winning. Yes, so now incredible. to get that type of arm talent back, I don't think there are ever going to be comparisons between Jameis Winston and Drew Brees. I don't think they'll ever be in the same conversation. <laughs> what? But Sean Payton now has another toy. I think you can view Jameis Winston as a toy because his arm strength is so electric and elite. I don't think the Saints even touch the Bucks. I think they're going to have a lot of growing pains. The defense yeah. took a step back as well. They just released Latavius Murray today. Yes, I did see that. Which, obviously, Alvin Kamara is the guy, but I thought Murray was a nice backup option. Michael Thomas, I think this is going to be for the rest of his career. It's just going to be a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. If he can stay on the field, we know how good of a talent he is. He hasn't been able to show that in the last couple of years. But all eyes are going to be on Winston and what version himself of himself he's going to be. But I remember my brother, when he was named QB1, my brother came running into my room talking about how excited he was because he was going to draft Winston. And he felt like he was going to go on this scorched earth trail. It's almost like he's become a hidden gem, even though we all know what Jameis Winston is like. But yes, again, that system, I think it really is going to change him. And I wouldn't be surprised if Winston has a really good season, low on turnovers. There, There's a ton of injury here with Winston. That, That's what I'll say. Of course, he is in a very different system than what he was in Tampa. Uh, it's a lot more controlled. But as I said, I do think Peyton's going to open up the playbook. I think there's got to be some excitement around him. But to your point as well, I, I'm not sure I expect the Saints to be one of the best teams in the league. But yeah. I, I, I think they can win some games. Yeah, I can. I totally agree. And it's also interesting to think about uh, who Jameis Winston was under in Tampa, mm. as in Bruce Arians, who has yep. no problem throwing the ball down the field. 
And I think Sean Payton is much more controlled, like you said. So it's, it, it must have been a shock to the system for Winston. That's why it was so yeah. valuable for him to sit for a year. But it's going to be so different. That whole play calling is going to be so radically different for him. Oh, absolutely! But this is this is going to be exciting. It, it it'll be fun to watch them this year, and it's it's a new look Saints. That that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, my storyline for the Bucks is the last team to go back to back was the New England Patriots, led by Tom Brady in two thousand three and two thousand four. The Bucks returned all twenty two starters from last year. I think on paper, this is probably the most confident anyone can say that a team's going to go back to back i personally don't think they will just because it's so Mm -hmm. hard i don't even have a concrete answer i just think it's so impossible to do that but if you're going to put the ball in anybody's court you obviously want it in tom brady's court and he's he's looking pretty healthy pretty good like he wants to do it for the eighth time just as i said with the chiefs i really don't think you can bet against this team getting back to the super bowl that's the perfect way to say it yeah yeah to to your point though the nfc east is very top heavy so or the nfc east the nfc is very top heavy so there are certainly going to be some challengers to come out of the nfc but i I think you got to feel pretty confident that tampa is going to be at the top or near the top yeah and i just i looked at my phone quick pat Le'Veon bell signed by the ravens today well, there's your J.K. Dobbins replacement. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell is going to revive his career in Baltimore. We love that for him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it works. All right, now we've got, I hope you agree with me. I think this, mm-hmm. the NFC West is the best division in football. Yep. Nope, yep. I, I, I definitely agree with you there. And it perfectly, you lead into my point. Who is the second best team mm. in the NFC West? Mm. You asking me right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is kind this is kind of an easy answer. I think if the 49ers are healthy, they are better than the Seahawks. Oh, wow, we agreed. Really? Oh, I thought I wasn't we were expecting have some you to do here. that. Yeah, totally. I'm high on the Niners. All right, you go first. I I just look at this 49ers team and and yes, understanding that none of us know exactly what they're going to get at quarterback yet between Garoppolo and and Trey Lance. I look at that roster, you see all the injuries that happened you still understand that Kyle Shanahan is their head coach. Those injuries, those injured players are now back. That defense is going to be so much better. I don't see why this San Francisco 49ers team, a team that is two years removed from the Super Bowl, can't become one of the better teams in the NFC East and can't compete. I said the NFC East again. Can't compete in the <laughs> I don't NFC. Even notice at this point. <laughs> and can't compete in the NFC West. Why not? There is so much talent around this 49ers roster. I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the better head coaches in, in all of the NFL. Why not for them? Of course, yes, it all centers around the quarterback. But they were able to get to the Super Bowl yes. with Jimmy Garoppolo. So if they're able to, who, you know, I don't think Garoppolo is great, but I think he gives you a chance to win. And again, that's not even factoring in the Trey Lance factor, which when does he come into play? What is the type of ceiling that he comes with? There are just, I think there are enough things going for this 49ers team that I think they are the second best team in the NFC West. I think they can push to win the NFC West, and I don't see why they can't compete for the NFC. No, you're fired up. I love it. We a are little bit, on, a little bit. We are on the exact same wa- wavelength. I do not understand why we have to remind people that Jimmy Garoppolo himself <laughs> led this team to the Super Bowl two years ago. 
and he was a bad throw away from potentially beating the Chiefs. I remember that throw. You remember that throw when he just sailed it over the receiver's head. Emmanuel Sanders. I get that he has problems. I get that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the future. But that doesn't mean he is a below-average quarterback who help, who can't help a team win games. I don't understand where the infatuation with this is. Maybe it's that Kyle Shanahan is such a coveted offensive mind, and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't fit that mold like a Matthew Stafford does in Sean McVay's offense. But we also don't know that Trey Lance is going to be that guy. I think you yep. and I are both high on him. I think he plays this season at least the second half, if not sooner than that. I don't understand why Jimmy Garoppolo has to continue to prove himself. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the defensive side of the ball gets so much better. Garoppolo, if he can stay healthy, which he hasn't proven he can do. And I think that's, that's going to be the point. biggest de- that's going to be the biggest detriment to the narrative of his of his career. Maybe he just wasn't able to prove himself. But in my opinion, he did prove it, and he got to the Super Bowl. What else could you expect from a quarterback? <laughs> he has been healthy for one full season, in which they went 13-3 and three and went to a Super Bowl. I don't understand. My That's hands it. are up in the air. I don't understand. How aren't people thinking of that? Yeah, I, I know people. it's very popular to, to crush him. I understand he d- has not been a superstar quarterback, I don't think he needs to be a superstar yeah. quarterback with Kyle Shanahan and with this defense. I think he just needs to be good. I think he can be good. I think he's proven he's been good in the past, and I don't see why the Niners can't formulate something this year. I'm so glad we feel the same way about that, truly. I think... That was a trap question, and we both agreed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's... I mean, quarterback is obviously the most important position of any sport in, in history. So you want that quarterback to be a generational talent. But you can argue that Nick Bosa is a generational talent. And mm-hmm. George Kittle is a generational talent. When you have guys like that, you don't need Jimmy G to be the best quarterback to ever walk the planet. He also he nope. spent almost his entire career learning behind Brady. There's stuff that just translates onto the field that you can't quantify, and I think Jimmy G has that. I wanted to yeah. mention why I didn't say the Seahawks, and I definitely mm-hmm. want to hear what you say about this too. It's... Is Russ going to... I saw this. I'm going to say it because it was so good, but I obviously can't take credit. Is Russ going to cook or is he going to get cooked? <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> that's pretty good. I did not, but that's pretty good. It's, it has to do with the O-line. It's much less yeah, about course. his talent. But the first eight, eight weeks of the season, Seattle offense averaged 34 points per game. The rest mm-hmm. of the season and the playoffs, 22.3 points per game it was a stark drop off i think if you had ended the season at week eight russell wilson would have been your runaway mvp and it seems like it's like that year after year and then there's this insane drop off where the o-line can't can't keep up chris carson got hurt tyler lockett fell off a little bit dk metcalf in my eyes is one of the best wide receivers in the game i i lean towards russ is going to cook versus get cooked but mm-hmm. Pete Carroll has to throw a wrinkle in things again because now you're in the most competitive division in the conference, if not the the entire league. And I also think that the Cardinals are no gimme. I think the Cardinals have some serious talent. So there really isn't a an easy part of this schedule for the Seahawks. Yeah, and I, I think that's really fair. And as you talk about it, I think Russell Wilson's going to be very good this year. 
Uh, you know, there, again, there was a lot of noise around him this offseason, and will he get moved? Will he not get moved? You know, I, I think things will, will stabilize enough that, that he's going to put up some big numbers. They did bring in a new offensive coordinator as well mm-hmm. in Shane Waldron to try to change things up and get back to it because, as you said, the offense the second half of the year was a complete letdown after they were really putting on a show. You know, the, the first half of the season, I I think that there is a chance that Seattle can be really explosive that offensive line scares me. I don't think that defense is great, and, and uh, which especially going up against, as you said, some tough competition with some good offenses out in the West. I think that could exploit them a little bit, which gets me a little worried. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be bad by any stretch, but I look around the strengths of the division otherwise and see the Rams and see the Niners that I think are going to be better and see the Cardinals, which of course are going to score some points. I, I think there's room for the Seahawks to drop some games this year. Oh, totally. I think the Seahawks are a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Do, do you agree? It, it's going to be tough with the three in the NFC West, mm-hmm. but I think they're right there in contention for it. Yeah, it's funny how that's all going to play out. Because, it's I mean, the division. Otherwise, right. I'd say, yes, for sure they are a playoff team. I, don't, I, I can see the Seahawks beating the Saints, and I can see the Seahawks beating the Vikings, and obviously the Cowboys, if Washington does end up winning. It's going to be funny how the playoffs all work and how the seedings are going to work, but... Again, it might just be how this division plays out. You're going to have to elevate your play so that you can win the division because that's mm-hmm. what it might come down to. Yeah, th- this is going to be a great race, as you said, best division in football. Yeah, so that leaves the most important question. Do you think, or why do you think, that the Stafford-McVay marriage at this point is going to live up to the hype? I'm so excited for this, and yes, I do have the Rams winning the division. I... Just the stability that now gets put around Matthew Stafford after coming from all those years in Detroit, coming with now having the weapons that he does with Robert Woods and, and all and Cooper Cup and, and all of that in L.A., pairing that with maybe the best defense in the league, mm-hmm. it just, I think it has to get you excited about what this Rams team can, can achieve and what Matt Stafford could potentially achieve. And just a change of scenery, a change of system, a change of talent, I just... So much in that. I mean, Stafford has still statistically been one of the better quarterbacks in the league for a long time in an awful situation. And now you put him where it seems like the variables are finally going in his direction. I think that makes you dream a little bit about what could happen. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go to. Stafford has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and the Lions have been terrible. They've made it to the wild card three times with him, and they've lost all three times. He has had one of the worst defenses in almost every single season that he's played in. And now he gets one of the best defenses, not even taking into account one of the best coaches in the league with the duo of Cup and Woods, like you mentioned. It, it finally seems like everything co- is coming together. On a side note, I think Goff got screwed. I don't know why there was such a drop-off from him because if we're going to talk about Jimmy G taking his team to the playoffs... Or to the Super Bowl, even more importantly, Goff took this team to the Super Bowl only a couple of years ago. I think they moved away from him a little bit sooner than was necessary, but if you're going to get Stafford, then that, that obviously yep, takes away exactly the questions because Stafford is a much better quarterback than Goff is. But I was just a little surprised that that divorce happened so quickly, I guess you could say. I'm comfortable with the trade because I think it's the Rams going for it and, and, and yeah, kind that's of identifying fair. that they could they could upgrade at, at quarterback and, and knowing with the the strength of the rest of the team, but Jared Goff specifically, 
it's a tough situation that that he was the guy with the Rams. You know, he had led them to be in a Super Bowl, and now he has to switch places and go in Detroit in a complete rebuild because that's what it is there with, with Dan Campbell, where people aren't even convinced he's the guy there. And will Detroit look for a quarterback after a young quarterback after the season? It's it's as you said, Jared Goff got screwed. That's the best way yeah. to put it. It really sucks, and that's another huge financial situation. But again, we've said mm-hmm. it how many times now? The Rams were a quarterback away. And this is another team yep. that if they do not win the Super Bowl, I think it would be a catastrophic failure because they do not yeah. have a first-round pick, quite literally, ever. They have never <laughs> picked in the first round because they continue to give themselves the pieces to be elite. The, the Jalen Ramseys, the Matthew Staffords. I'm okay with that strategy. I actually like it. But if they don't go out and win and Matthew Stafford isn't as heralded as everyone thinks he is, and which I think he is, then the Rams have a serious problem. And they just lost Cam Akers for the season, which I think is a big loss. Torn ACL. Or torn Achilles, one of those. They've adopted the, like, NBA mindset of just move (laughs) those first-round picks for stars and see what happens. Yeah. And I, I truly, any other team, any other roster, it probably wouldn't work. It works for Sean McVay and the Rams. Yeah. And SoFi Stadium is going to be absolutely insane. Especially on Sunday night. Can't wait for it. That's going to be a beautiful way to really end the first Sunday of the NFL season. But you want to run through your division winners? Yeah, let's do it. So we had, I had Washington football team. Pat had the Dallas Cowboys and the NFC East. I'm I'm saying the New York Giants are going to win the division. Oh, you're, no, you're not. You're saying the Giants are going to win the division. I think the Cowboys are the favorites, but the Giants are going to win the division. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. You can can play this back when they go 4-13 and this year. um. (laughs) (laughs) They have some optimism. I will take full responsibility and be very apologetic when the Giants do win the division. I'll give you that. (laughs) So I think Washington, Pat thinks New York. In the NFC North, we both agreed it'll be the Packers by a landslide. In the NFC South, it will probably be the Buccaneers by a landslide. And in the NFC West... Watch out for the Panthers, but it will be. Watch out for the Panthers. (laughs) Sam Darnold, don't count him out. And then, of course, in the NFC West, arguably, not even arguably, we both said it, the best division in football the LA Rams will come out of that. So Ooh. the mega preview, we're an hour and 15 minutes in, and it was everything I could have hoped for, Pat. That's exactly what I expected. Once you set us up to talk about every division in any <laughs> sport, it's going to take a little while to get through, but hopefully yep. it was at least entertaining for everyone because it was a lot of fun for me to talk about at least. Yeah, me too. I, I truly think that it was, I just sat in front of a computer and just wrote down questions and wrote down yep. storylines. The first thing that popped into my head, I think there were a million ways that you could have gone with this. And of course, we almost said the same exact thing. So it just shows how in tune we are, which is always fun. On the same wavelength. I am moving to baseball for my number, though. No way, so am I. Okay, not surprising at all. Would you like to go first? (laughs) Do you want me to? Yeah, sure. No, I'll go first because I can go really quickly with it. And and my number is 3,000. Oh. Which is about to be, just as I did with Miguel Cabrera, uh, the number of strikeouts that Max Scherzer is going to amass, most likely in his next start, otherwise in his next two starts, as he's currently sitting on 2,994 career strikeouts. I mean, we talked about Miguel Cabrera. We can go in a similar light here with Max Scherzer. He has been one of the dominant or more dominant pitchers in the you know the entire sport. I think you look back at the 2010s, and he may be the most dominant pitcher of that decade, which of course would be very interesting to talk about, you know, with the Clayton Kershaw's, Jacob DeGrom towards the end of it, but three Cy Young awards, 
for Max Scherzer in that decade, including a second place finish as well, and a third place finish as well. Max Scherzer has had an unbelievable Hall of Fame career. He's got a chance to help the Dodgers win back-to-back World Series and will pick up his 3,000th strikeout in the next week or so. Had to spotlight it for one of the all-time grades. That's amazing. I love that. I was going to say he's on his way to winning his second ring in three years. Maybe. Right? 2019 maybe. with the Nats. Yes. Yeah, I, it's actually, I was thinking about him, and I was going to say something. We have been talking a lot about the NL award races, specifically, how, mm-hmm. how wide open the NL MVP is and how excited we are about the NL Cy Young, we had that entire conversation and didn't say Max Scherzer because we were blown away by Walker Buehler and we were blown away by Corbin Burns and Zach Wheeler. Max Scherzer has had an absolutely incredible season. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering, man, I wish I'd looked this up beforehand. We had that whole talk about Trey Turner and how nobody's won the MVP after being traded mid season. Has anybody won the Cy Young after being traded mid season? It's a great question, and it's honestly, it's very possible. He is the National League leader in ERA+, plus, which of course is a big one for us to, to kind of denominate how you know strong above average you are. And since he got to the Dodgers, he has a one ERA and has not lost. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. So. <laughs> With how good that do- – the, this is what is most important to me. The Dodgers and the Brewers have the – two best rotations. I'm going to give it to the Dodgers because I think they have more depth than the Brewers do, more quality depth. Okay, that's fair. In a starting rotation that features Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler, I'll mention Trevor Bauer because he is the reigning 2020 NL Cy Young winner. Mm -hmm. Also, um, David Price, who's won a Cy Young. Am I missing anybody big? Julio Urias is obviously young, but pedigree guys. Scherzer is the ace of that staff right now. And that means that means so much to me. It goes up there with innings pitched and the strikeout numbers and the ERA. His stuff is just unhittable, and he's doing it at this point of the career. And I would say he has been the best pitcher in the 2010s. I don't know if you can give it to anybody else. I, I would go that way as well. I think he's probably your best. I, I know Clayton Kershaw certainly an argument, but yeah, you didn't mention Justin Verlander too. Verlander, true Verlander. We we could do a whole discussion on pitcher of the 2010s. Honestly, yeah. we could I'd do a whole that. podcast on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly I would too, but I, I think Scherzer might be your answer. That's a really good number. Do you know when he's pitching next? Did you say that? Oh, I do not know when he's pitching next. Maybe by the next uh, time come... we. Maybe by the next time we record, he'll have done it, which would be sick. Ooh. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. But the, the important thing is it's coming, right. um, which is very, very exciting. He'll eclipse 3,000 strikeouts, which is, again, just, just a, a phenomenal achievement for one of the game's best. Another notch in a potentially unanimous Hall of Fame selection. Ooh, that's an interesting way to put it. He could be unanimous. So that's that's kind of how I'm thinking point. about it right now. Yeah. Just yeah. at this stage of his career to be having that wipeout type of stuff. It's uh, it's incredible. It, it really is. So just had to spotlight it because what a stud Max Scherzer has been and continues to be. Seriously, what a stud. Love that. So uh, my number maybe doesn't have as much of an effect an hour and 20 minutes in because it might make your head hurt a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, I'm moving to a hitter. And my number of the week is 50.6%. And that is Joey Gallo's whiff percentage on off-speed pitches in 2021. Is that good? 
<laughs> Joey Gallo, when he That's faces off-speed stuff, which is defined as a splitter and a change-up, and then you also get a screwball in there, which people aren't really throwing anymore. I when wish Joey, more people threw screwballs. <laughs> me too, honestly. When Joey Gallo faces a splitter or a change-up, he swings and misses over 50% of the time. Pat, that is almost unfathomable. And I have some other crazy stuff. I'll get through it quickly again because I know we're we're deep in this now. <laughs> I, I, w- the... I would say it is unfathomable, it, actually. It's, it's unfathomable. And he, has at, he is striking out more in New York than he ever has as a Texas Ranger. So he's on the big stage. He's not living up to it. He's been below average since the trade deadline. He was supposed to mix up this Yankees lineup, and again, this is somebody else's tweet, I can't remember exactly, but now he's just striking out on the left side instead of the right side, because that's exactly what the Yankees were doing. But I have some crazy numbers about the specific pitches he sees against the splitter, specifically, which is the pitch type that he sees the least, because not that many guys throw high-quality splitters. He has an 056 batting average with a .056 slugging percentage, and he whiffs 55.6% of the time. That's on a splitter. A big league hitter slugs .056 on a pitch. Tell me that's not the most insane thing you've ever heard. Wow. that it, It's incredible. It really is mind-blowing. I mean, we know about the, the Joey Gallo kind of, you know, walk, strike out, home run mentality, but... To see a whiff rate like that and the slugging that low, it's just, wow, that's that's crazy. And you take a risk on him because he is yeah. an above-average outfielder. And yes, when he, he has the power, he is an excellent hitter. But the strikeout numbers are alarming against fastballs in 2021. 82 strikeouts. Seems like a lot of this narrative has been centered around Javi Baez for very good reason. And mm-hmm. maybe it's because Joey Gala's walk rate is higher. But those strikeout numbers, it brings back the whole question of... What is Major League Baseball going to do to start lowering these numbers? What are they going to have to put into place so that a strikeout is seen in a negative light? Because this just cannot be happening. For Joey Gallo, a above-average baseball player, to be striking out that much is alarming. And not even striking out, just just whiffing that much. It's ugly. It's ugly, yes. And, of course, he's exciting because of the power that he supplies, but... That is a, a stark weakness from him with uh, how bad the off-speed stuff is. Yeah, I thought you would appreciate that. It blew me away. It was kind of all over Twitter today. People were talking about I it. I did and see it. I looked up his baseball savant page, looked at some of the the real <laughs> numbers, and was just absolutely blown away. And again, yeah. I if I'm the Yankees, I don't regret bringing him on. That is no, the craziest either. part of all. But he still has a – he's in the one percentile. Of whiff rate. Yep. Yep. I, I would hope so. I would hope there's <laughs> <this> easy. <laughs> but no, that that's a great stat. And then shout out to Pete Alonzo as well, who we could go second. Number two here with, for the second fastest player to ever hit 100 career home runs. He did that tonight as we were recording. Yes. So, shout out to awesome. the polar bear. That's awesome. Had, Love that storyline. Yeah. Very Absolutely. Cool. But that will do it then for us on the Did You Hear podcast. 
mega NFL preview edition. That was a lot of fun to do and a lot of fun to say. Um, so th- again, you know, that was, it's, we're so excited to have football season here and, and kick things off on Thursday night with the Bucks and the Cowboys, but be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a rating as well. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Did You Hear Pod and Emma. That's a wrap.